You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Brandy Stark. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I am your host, Brandy Stark, and this is going to be a Paranormal Pets potpourri episode. We've got a few new stories to talk about, some new entries into both the Shadow Animals and the Paranormal Pugs pages. I do want to talk a little bit about upcoming events that are happening for October, so folks are around, they can come and check them out. We also have a lovely story on a Bacageria, and my accent is awful, and I apologize, but what this means is a ghost whale from Japan. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about that. And finally, I have an unusual EVP that I might need your help trying to decipher. So we will actually get to all of this right after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9s makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com, that's the number 4, K-N-I-N-E-S.com, or on Amazon.com. 4K9s makes nothing but the best for your best friend. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back. I'm your host, Brandy Stark. I am the founder of the Spirits of St. Petersburg and a professor of religious studies and humanities at my local college. I have lots of stuff coming up for October. So just a very quick update. We have actually been doing a bunch of investigations. Art season is about to start, and the semester has also started. So I am teaching, trying to wrap as much wire sculpture as I can, and uh, we actually have done about three investigations, uh, two investigations with a third one tomorrow, basically one a week for the past three weeks. This is nothing, however, because just to give you all a quick heads up, 
If you are in this area and can go to any of these events, please do. They pretty much are all free and open to the public. We definitely encourage folks to come and interact. And if you do uh, get any information from Paranormal Pets and you'd like to, I would like to meet you actually, come and find me. Uh, I will be kind of the short woman with the funky hair, looking really frantic or relaxed. I'm not quite sure which it'll be yet, but I'd love to meet you and see uh, what you think. But for those of you who are in the area on October 3rd, we are kicking off our Halloween season with a basically a ghost slash art tour at the Suntan Art Center, which is located at St. Pete Beach in Florida. This is called Spectral Musings. It's a ghost tour of basically an art center that was built at the same time as a very famous allegedly haunted hotel, the Don Cesar. The building that houses the art center is in fact called the Don Vista. The Spirits has investigated this building a couple of times before. We have some new EVPs, which I'll reference again at the end, uh, and we would certainly love for you to come out. The tour is free and open to the public. It's a come and go as you please. It starts at 6 uh, with the last tour going through at 8.30 and the whole event should be done by 9. There will be some light snacks. Come and support your local artists and learn a little bit about history. This is a family-friendly event. We're not out to scare anyone. We want you to know the history of the area and, uh, and to interact. So October the 9th, I will be hosting, I think, three panels and speaking on another one at Necronomicon 2015, which is taking place at the Grand Hyatt, Tampa Bay. The dates are October 9th through the 11th. I will also have art in their art show, so come on out for that. Wednesday, October 14th of 2015 at 7 p.m., I am doing a presentation on Ghost Hunting 101 at St. Petersburg College, St. Petersburg Gibbs Campus in the library. All right. Saturday, October 17th has the most bearing for this particular podcast because I am doing a Paranormal Pets panel discussion at the Seminole Library slash 2015 Pinellas Comic and MakerCon. This is also free and open to the public, as is Ghost Hunting 101. I would like to record the event as well and hopefully get some good stories and maybe a couple of new episodes. So Pinellas Comic and MakerCon is it's a love of your library, free, open to the public event with costumes and contests. It's like a one-day miniature sci-fi convention. So think uh, Comic-Con on a, a, a day scale, right? Sunday, October 24th, the Spirits of St. Petersburg is hosting Spirits of the Season, a ghost tour at Patties and Friends. This will take place from 7 to 9 p.m. It is free and open to the public. We are actually reinvestigating Patties tomorrow night, but we have spent about two years, a year and a half to two years, keeping track of what's been going on at this antique store, which we do believe is pretty much on it, yes. Indeed, we had a ball of light that one person saw. We had a wonderful EVP in which, unfortunately, I think the entity might have been laughing a little bit at us because it was singing a song, almost like uh, I can't hear you, right? That type of song. Very bizarre, but it is on our website, so you're welcome to check that out. And then uh, Thursday, October 29th, this is not open to the general public, but is open to students, staff, and faculty of St. Petersburg College. My Environmental Society, which is a club that I am faculty advisor for at St. Petersburg College downtown campus, is hosting the third annual ghost tour of the Palladium. So if you know somebody from St. Pete College, I think you can go as their guest, although you will have to sign a waiver that, you know, if anything happens to you, The college is not to blame, so just be aware of that. So all of these events are coming up. 
It's a very exciting dynamic time. If you're an artist, it's also super exciting because uh, art season is getting ready to kick off. I, in fact, am winding as much metal as I possibly can into little sculptures and ornaments and bigger sculptures. So my fingers are crossed that we you know, make a good deal of art that can go out and hopefully uh, grace some folks' homes. I will also have a piece at the St. Petersburg Artificial Intelligence which is very clever art official, right? Intelligence robot exchange show. Uh, I think it's a one night opening event starting at eight. I do actually plan to go this year. Last year I had a piercing headache, was not able to make it. This year I have a cluster headache, which means they come and go, but I don't care. I'm going to go anyway. Last year's event looked terrific. For this year, I have made a robot mermaid. So I am very proud of this piece. I'm hoping it finds a new home, but it constitutes so much work. And um, uh, it blinks. It has lights. Um, you know, it's fun. So anyway, we'll see how that goes. So those are the upcoming events. I do want to get to a couple of our most recent submissions for uh, these websites that I host. We actually do have a new submission on the Paranormal Pugs page, and you are more than welcome to check this page out. I believe if you type in Paranormal Pugs page uh, plus Homestead, I think I'm the only Paranormal Pugs page out there, but you can also type in homestead.com. It should come up. This is actually on the Paranormal Pugs page too, because the first one got to be so long. So I've got a second page and this person did submit a picture. So if you would like to see it, feel free to log in and check it out. This was submitted uh, September 6, 2015. The only information I can tell you as kind of background information is that the individual who did submit this is a pug owner, does work with some rescue, and does have experience as a photographer. Because I did ask some questions on the picture that was submitted and this individual was certainly quite aware of any possible natural phenomena. So uh, to me, this does make this a little bit more legitimate as a a resource. Uh, So those are the kinds of stories that I really like. This is called Pugs on Film. And uh, it just says, uh, I have pugs and lost three in a relatively short span. Unfortunately for me, one loss was very sudden and it was my shadow, Gifford. He was a rescue and very tightly bonded with me and vice versa. He became ill, went to the emergency vet, was declared okay, and sent to my regular vet for overnight observation. The next morning I went in when they opened and was informed that he was gone. Devastating does not even begin to describe my emotions. And for those of you who have pugs, uh, be aware that pugs are not typical. Uh, Again, I tell my students that they are small, slightly misshapen humans. I think pugs are a mixture of cat right feline canine and human uh, backgrounds which is kind of an interesting mix they can be very enigmatic but they're very social and they're very bonded to humans and a loss of a pug well really of any pet i don't think it has to be a pug but it's very devastating it changes the energy of the house and i'm not one who's really attuned to such things but i can tell you doug my eldest pug who was a rescue Uh, passed away in January at the age of 16. And I was not planning to replace him, but the house just did not feel right. I just, I don't know, couldn't explain it. So I now uh, have adopted from Pug Rescue of Florida, a 12-year-old pug by the name of Bentley, who was left uh, at a shelter, um, but who basically walked in and, uh, and took over the house. He walked in and this was his. So again, 
I really empathize with this person who has submitted this story. Uh, I can't even imagine thinking that your pug's okay to find out the next day that pug has passed. And then in addition to that, shortly thereafter, he lost another pug, uh, Molly, who passed on. She had been their first pug. And then they had a third pug named Judy who went in for a wellness check and was diagnosed with kidney failure. And then she died two weeks later. So if you can only imagine this devastation, your entire household's been you know, really tossed by this. So he does have a security camera. And one night he was reviewing the camera and he noticed that there were kind of some odd images in one of the frames. And he says, while the low resolution in poor light at night, the camera isn't prone to artifacts. That's what he called them. I have provided the series of same frames where I zoom in and crudely outline what I saw. Perhaps it is wishful thinking, but I see images of two pugs, a reassurance, but I'm not sure. They haven't reappeared since that night. So there's a one frame image that he found and admittedly it almost does look like a missed image captured on film. Uh, he did send the frames before and after and the same mist-like form is there. But the middle frame, uh, it's interesting because sure enough, uh, you know, it does kind of looks like some pugs looking back at you. Now this could entirely be suggestion, but sometimes I think that our little furry friends find a way to find us. So if you'd like to see this, if you'd like to follow up, feel free. Uh, again, just look for the Paranormal Pugs page and it should be there. In addition to that, I was very excited because I had three new entries for the Shadow Animals page. One is quite short. It was submitted 9615 and it's called Shadow Wolf Bear and it's sent via phone. So as I tell my students, if you're gonna send an email, try not to use your phone, <laughs> try to use a computer, but that's okay. She got the, she or he, I'm not even really sure, but sent the information and it's pretty interesting. I have seen a shadow entity that is a cross between a wolf and a bear, the size and the shape of a bear, but the traits of a wolf. It's always pacing, watching and waiting. He paces along a certain portion of the fence line watching you and it's like he's waiting for you to look. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, again, it has the uh, general ideas of a shadow animal, which include pacing or movement, anticipation, unsettlement, uh, being unsettled, right? So nice little story there. Uh, second story submitted basically at the same time. Boy, I tell you what, October comes around and, and uh, so do some of the, the new ghost stories. This was submitted September 6, 2015, and it is called Shadow Bobcat. So over the years, I've come across things that seem to fit the bill of a shadow animal, but I never knew what these were before, and I still know very little about any of this. Well, unfortunately, I've been studying them for years, and I have to say about the same. They're very hard to quantify or qualify or define. But I recently decided to share the story the first time I ever saw a shadow animal. If this helps you in any way, please use it. Also, if you want to hear more, just let me know. And I did contact this person back. I certainly would love to hear more. My first encounter, four to five years ago, I went on a morning paper route with my mom to help her out. Dad was sick at the time and mom didn't want to have to do it alone. I come from a very rural part of Virginia. And for those who don't know, the paper route starts one to two in the morning. You get a bundle of papers, put them together, roll them up and deliver them to the appropriate boxes. The route my parents had was around 170 customers and took roughly around five hours to complete. There was one primary road on this route. The rest were secondary roads, mostly dirt to be exact. Now about halfway through the route, I'm sitting in the passenger seat 
with the paper all rolled up and ready to go when I glance over and I see this thing on the side of the road. It was about the size of a bobcat, except it was solid black, blacker than any color of black I've ever seen before. The color almost seemed to swirl. We drove past it and I just got fear deep in my bones. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe from that moment and tears ran down my cheeks. After a few minutes, I got myself under control and started to think about it. Here it is early morning. It's dark, already somewhat spooky, and I'm tired. It had to be my imagination. I pretty much just put the incident in the back of my mind. Half an hour or so later, on a completely different road, I swear to God, I saw it again. This time, it was closer to the road and less in the ditch, and it was looking right at me. Again, I was paralyzed by pure fear. This thing I saw had no eyes, but as you could tell, there was an indentation where the eyes should have been. It had no ears, no face, and no tail. How did I know it was looking right at me? I'm not actually sure. I just had this primal feeling that it was. It was looking right into my eyes and it felt like it could see through me. I imagine if I felt like a deer that knew a wolf was chasing it, I felt like prey. After we'd passed it and I calmed myself down again, I told myself that maybe it was an opossum and that my imagination had just run rampant. Maybe another half an hour passed before I saw it once again. It was on the actual part of the road this time, and it was oh so slowly beginning to stand up as we passed it. Something about the way it moved just made me think that this thing was in no way slow. I imagined it to be very, very quick and lethal if it chose to be once again. I was paralyzed by fear, and this time it actually felt like the thing was teasing me, like it was amused by my fear. At this point, Mom asked me what was wrong, and I told her everything. Her response was, as summarized... Oh, I wonder why you were acting off. I didn't know that you could see them. Some people are gifted to see things others cannot. You come from a long line of very spiritual women. Whenever you see creatures like that, just tell them no. Don't show any weakness. They'll want you and don't think about them or talk about them because it will draw them near you. And don't let your dad know about this. Him and his family aren't like ours. After that very short conversation, mom refused to tell me anymore. I've tried multiple times to get more from her, but she always changes the subject or simply tells me there's nothing more that she can say. At one point, I visited the Mormon church for a while and met a very old-fashioned woman there. She believes in many superstitions for whatever reason and lived a very natural lifestyle. She and I became friends and I shared this experience with her. She told me that some things just can't be explained and that I would do well to just forget about it and keep these things far from my mind. I can't exactly forget about it, and I still remember the first time I saw a thing like that, and I felt helpless. What it made me feel was worse than any feeling I could ever describe. So the second story seems to have more of the shadow animal as a shadow person. The shadow people are usually associated with fear, paralysis, terror, which I find kind of interesting, but I have had a couple other shadow animal stories that are similar in nature. The last one is Shadow Cat, submitted May 25th, 2015. It was my bad because I was delayed in posting this. And it says, hello, fellow shadow folk. I reside in southern New Jersey in a two-story triplex home. My room is on the second floor with the short hallway, another bedroom adjacent, and bathroom parallel. I've lived here for nearly five years, but just recently I've started seeing a shadowy cat-like figure with glowing eyes curiously looking at me from the other side of my bedroom door threshold. It will sit on the right side of the doorway, either staring or peeking around the corner at me. It stays there as long as I don't try to look directly at it, no matter how fast or slow I attempt direct eye contact. 
It dashes or hops to the left side of the doorway only to vanish into the wall. I've had a cat of my own that's gray in color, but is much too big to be my shadow. Plus, I'd be able to see her if she attempted the same, as the left wall is almost directly intersecting my door frame. I feel no negativity from the shadow, only curiosity and a hair-raising sensation, but no chills. I've seen it throughout the day and evening hours. Even when my door is closed, I can see the shadow pacing the threshold as if guarding or anticipating the door opening due to the light in the hall and almost a half inch gap at the bottom of my door. So I'm assuming what this person is saying is that they see the cat pacing under the door, right? They see a shadow moving under their door. I know it's not mine because she is in the room with me at the time. So thank you for reading. So uh, kind of an interesting little shadow, shadow animal story. Certainly not as anticipatory or as fearful as the prior, but again, the sensation of watching, waiting, and anticipation as markers of this type of particular spectral activity. So if you'd like to see those stories, you are welcome to go to uh, shadowanimals.homestead.com. I have added a new page called Newest Entries, which basically hosts, if you can really bear to hear this, the newest entries. So uh, what will happen is as I get newer stories, I will then place the stories that are up here on pages in which they fit with the classification. So dogs, cats, or others. All right, so at this point, we are actually going to pause for some commercial messages. And when we get back, we are going to talk about one more piece of miscellaneous information, which is a one-time-sided Japanese skeleton whale ghost. So if that doesn't bring you back, I don't know what will. So we'll start that right after these messages. Now time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back to the next part of our Paranormal Pets episode. 
Uh, just be aware that it is getting a little bit late here and my pugs have started to sleep. So if you hear any unusual noises in the background, it is them snoring. It's nice to know I have such very rabid protectors, isn't it? At least from the supernatural and spectral world. Anyhow, we are going to actually check out what is a ghost story about a form of ghost whale. Now, I might slaughter how to say this. I believe it is Bakekayura, which is a ghost whale, and it can also be called a Hone Korea bone whale. It is found at the Sea of Japan. And the attributes of this particular whale, ghost, interesting. These are animated whale skeletons which sail near the surface of the sea, rising as they did in life when they would have had to breathe. They are followed by a host of eerie birds and strange fish. They appear on rainy nights near coastal whaling villages. Now, what I find really interesting about this is that there's really only been one interaction, so I don't know how they got all of this classification, but I guess if you see one ghost whale, you've seen them all, right? So... Basically, there is one story of the appearance of this ghost whale, and that's it. So the story goes as such. One rainy night long ago, some fishers living on the Shimane Peninsula witnessed an enormous white shape off the coast of the Sea of Japan. Squinting their eyes, it appeared to them to be a whale swimming offshore. Excited for the catch, they rallied the townspeople who grabbed their spears and harpoons and took their boats to hunt down and catch their quarry. As soon as they reached the whale, no matter how many times they hurled their weapons, not one of them struck true. When they looked closer through the dark, rain-spattered water surface, they realized why. What they thought was a white whale was actually a humongous skeleton swimming in the sea, not a single bit of flesh on its entire body. At that very moment, the sea became alive with a host of strange fish that nobody had ever seen before, and the skies formed full of eerie birds which nobody could recognize, and the likes of which had never been seen before. The ghost whale then turned sharply out to sea and swiftly vanished into the current, taking all of the strange fish and birds with it, never to be seen again. The terrified villagers returned home, realizing that the skeleton whale must have been a bakekiyura. The ghost of a whale turned into a vengeful ghost, and while the ghost whale was never seen again, other villages in Shimane felt the whale's curse being consumed by conflagrations and plagued by infectious diseases following whale beachings. So I guess this thing is a portend of uh, whales who are coming up to beach themselves, and when these whales do, they bring death and pestilence. That's really unusual. So it's very obscure. I think I saw this on my news feed once, and then I ended up trying to go back to find some information on it. This particular story is found on Hayakuma. Okay, I'll just spell it H Y A K U M O N O G A T A R I dot com. Yay! It's kind of interesting because uh, apparently this thing is so obscure that it's not placed in larger collections about supernatural animals in Japan. But Japan does have a long history of whale gods and venerated bones into which this particular whale fits nicely. Interestingly enough, for a whale god, it's called the Drifting Ashore God. And the next story says, in pre-seafaring Japan, before Samurai William brought the secrets of keels and ocean-going vessels, fishermen were limited to the coastal waters their small ships could take them to. They eked out a subsistence, living harvesting what was in reach, but every now and again, the oceans would deliver a bounty beyond imagination. Whales would sometimes come inland or beach themselves on the shore, and fishermen hunted these whales in a practice called passive whaling, using harpoons to kill the whale that was trapped in the shallows. This was a rare and auspicious event. A single whale provided vast amounts of meat and resources for the village. 
village and seemed like a gift from the gods, and the whale itself was only a piece of the bounty. Whales often came in following large schools of fish, so their arrival meant an abundance of sea life beyond the Leviathan itself. The arrival of the whale could save a village teetering on the edge of starvation and ruin. It was a manna from the oceans. Like modern cargo cults, the villagers cannot understand from where or why the whales came to shore. They only knew that a whale meant wealth and rare full stomachs. They were considered to be embodied deities, and whale religions sprang up in coastal villages. The original whale cults were primitive. Uh, the people praying generally had to come, uh, had one request, send more whales, which makes sense. By the time they evolved, um, like many religions, the whale cults in Japan were built on portions of respect and gratitude and a portion of fear. Because whaling, even passive whaling, was a dangerous operation, uh, some whale religions also saw whales uh, to have the ability to be malevolent gods and prayed to appease their spirits and assuage their wrath. Bad storms, uh, poor catches, uh, could mean an angry whale god and nobody wanted that. So, interestingly enough, the whale religions merged with another more popular deity, the god of abundance, Ebisu. Whales were first thought to be emissaries of Ebisu and then became considered an incarnation of the god himself because whales were thought to have the power to control fish. Fishermen began carrying images of the god Ebisil as a whale to give them the same fish-controlling powers. So, um, it's really pretty interesting. Um, I just I love the idea of a, a ghost whale, but this particular website is most likely quite correct um, that it does appear to be kind of the dark side of that whale belief, that whale cult. We do have a couple of other interesting Japanese whale cult stories. One includes an Okinawan legend of a whale dressed in a kimono who brought the secrets of rice cultivation to Japan. That's pretty cool. Then we have in 1983, an intact whale skeleton was spotted floating off the shores of Anamizu. The press jumped on the story, naming it a real life uh, Bakakijira, which is interesting too. So if you are interested in ghost whales, feel free to check that out. You can Google the website that I gave you earlier or simply Google ghost whales. I think this, uh, this will come up, but it is completely fascinating. Admittedly, I think I would be terrified seeing a ginormous whale skeleton swimming out there flanked by supernatural birds and fish. But then again, I don't hunt whales, so maybe I would be safe. I'd, I'd like to hope so. Anyhow, there is one more piece that I have for this particular episode. And it's kind of a footnote, but while we were at the Suntan Art Center, uh, I had left my uh, recorder in the Craftsman Gallery, which is a gallery shop where art is sold. The spirits left the room. Uh, you can actually, uh, the doors were locked on both sides. You can hear us leave at the beginning and you hear us enter at the end because I had to unlock the doors with a key. And during this particular ghost investigation, I got a very strange EVP that I have no idea what to do with this, that actually to me sounds a bit like a bird whistle. Uh, there are no birds in the area. I have been associated with the suntan for approximately three to four years now. I have been in that gallery quite a bit. The air conditioning was running which is kind of a lot of that white noise that you hear in the background. I did check with the person who maintains the gallery, the person who runs the Suntan Art Center, and the board of directors and the officers, and I let them hear this, and nobody can really identify the sound. 
So I am not one who knows bird calls, but I like to have this little clip played. Now be aware that it will be quiet at the beginning because there's about 10 seconds of silence and then you'll hear this little sound and then it'll go back to the silence. But I did want to include the background noise so that you could hear what pretty much the rest of the hour and 30 minutes of this recording sound like. It's basically completely silent uh, with the exception of when we were leaving and the time in which we came back and any cycling. Actually, the AC did not really seem to cycle on or off, but uh, it seemed to be kind of a consistent uh, on, if you will. So please take a listen to this uh, clip. If you have any ideas, feel free to email me through the Pet Life Radio page. If this sounds like a familiar bird, I would love to be able to look it up and see if there are any in the St. Pete Beach area. But I've never gotten a noise like this on an EVP. I've never heard it in the gallery gift shop. And nobody else there can identify this noise. I did verify that there was nothing else in the gallery that could possibly be making that noise. So I'm a little stymied. Do they have a ghost bird? Now that would be pretty cool. So we're gonna go ahead and insert that clip here. And now it is time for me to end the show. I wanna thank you very much for your patience with this potpourri episode. Please remember to support your local rescues. Pug Rescue of Florida is getting ready to do Pugsgiving, which is one of their major fundraisers. I do know that there are some adoptable rodents from the St. Petersburg College Vet Tech Program, and I would love to help find them some homes as pets only, please. Please be aware that animals are everywhere, and I think they're watching you. We'll pick up with some new episodes as Halloween gets a little bit closer. Thank you, and happy haunting. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.